Welcome back to episode nine of the Ben and Berg Show, your favorite MBA and college dropout, where we share the lessons in building a global Web3 startup, crypto, investing, and life. Fuck, that sounds nice, Berg. That's a good intro. <laughs> oh, mate. Tip top. <laughs> Today, we are talking about, is the crypto bear market over? Should you invest in property? PR strategies for startups, uh, plus our normal stuff, meal of the week. How to cook a perfect steak. Apparently, Berg knows how to cook a perfect steak. Meme of the week. Absolutely. Little, little gratitude of the week. And uh, as always, a little life update on what the hell we've been up to. Berg, so we're restructuring the pod so we can give a bit more value because we waffle on uh, sometimes, get a bit too excited. So we're going to get straight into the value today. And we're going to kick off with, is the crypto bear market over? Because we have had a pretty decent rally. Uh, Ethereum hit a bottom of around, I think it hit around 900 US dollars, uh, probably around uh, within the last two months. And, and Ethereum's back up to 1600 US. We've got Bitcoin back above uh, 20,000, sort of chopping around between the 20,000 and 24,000 range, uh, currently sitting around 23,000 US. We're still down from all-time highs. Bitcoin and ETH are both down around 66% from their all-time highs. That's my phone going off, apologies. Um, both down around 66% from all-time highs. So, I mean, we're still down a long way. Do we think the bear market's over? I mean, the macro environment's still pretty bearish. Uh, they're continuing to rise interest rates. Inflation's still pretty much out of control. But, you know, with... The Ethereum merge coming up, I think that's been pretty bullish. That's priced in, uh, potentially priced in already. The the merge is coming up in September. Bitcoin halving is also a historical uh, point that I look at, or most people tend to look at, is around the time when uh, Bitcoin has uh, a bit of a rally. That's less than two years to go. So we're on the downward trend, uh, downward slope, halfway to go, or less than. But it's interesting, Bergs, like we may have already found a bottom or we're, you know, we're finding a bottom at the, at the moment, uh, sort of accumulating right now. But I don't know, just uh, something about it, just I, I don't see enough bullish sentiment, you know, in the macro environment with, you know, rising energy costs, the war, inflation, uh, so many, yep. you know, impacting uh, sort of figures and numbers uh, coming up that, just it just doesn't seem like it's we're going to be in a position to really rally off these prices. Maybe we do chop around here and we just scrape along the bottom for a little while. But yeah, it's it's interesting. We've we've I mean yeah, Bitcoin and Ether both rallied. Uh, well, Ethereum's up about sixty to eighty percent off its bottoms, uh, which usually yep. is a bit higher than a bear market or dead cat bounce. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think, man? Man, I'm seeing that there has been a bit of relief. There's a bit of optimism going around. There's a few good projects happening. But if you look at macro kind of things where, you know, interest rates are just crushing people, prices have gone up astronomically, wages are not keeping up with it. The Fed's taking a month off, so it'll be two months before their next kind of review. And people are really diving into, like whenever the Fed from the States releases an outlook, man, they just... They're like, okay, here's the percentage, but then they'll look at, oh, what are they actually saying? What are the words? How can we interpret this? How can we forecast? And it is just absolutely bananas to see. But when I look at this, so I'm looking at uh, alltimehighcoinindex.com, uh, which is an awesome site. And if you look at this, like Bitcoin and Ethereum to go from where we are now to all-time high is a 200% increase for both of those. Like that is just astronomical. And we've seen these market four-year market cycles play out that leads up to the hardening. 
where you get this hive of activity around the halvening and then towards a Bitcoin conference that happens earlier in the year, everything kind of tanks. And I'm honestly just wondering if these market cycles are going to shorten. I don't, I think with the macro outlook and even though we do have a lot of activity in crypto, I don't see this being a very quick and done kind of thing. I think it will be prolonged. There will be chopping around. And I think it's just an awesome opportunity for everyone, if you've been thinking about it, to seriously look at crypto as an investment. Like we are super early in this space. It's only just ticked over a trillion dollars total market cap, uh, which is insane to think. And mate, I'm just enjoying this. It's the build period. Uh, it's the time when we get down. It's where all the innovation happens. And when we capture that crest that happens towards the halving. Yeah, I agree, Bergs. And I think a lot of people are in that same boat. So I'm looking at the one-year hodl wave chart uh, on my screen at the moment. So for listeners at home, basically what this is mapping is the percentage of Bitcoin holders that have held Bitcoin for longer than a year. And that number's at all-time highs, at 65.8%. So 65.8% of all of the Bitcoin that's out there in circulation right now is held by people that have not sold in over a year. That's an all-time high number. Now, that's really bullish. The other bullish factor I'm looking at is the number of stable coins held on exchanges. So this is crypto investors that have rotated their, you know, maybe Bitcoin, ETH, whatever it might be, into USDC, Tether, something like that. And that number of stable coins sitting on exchanges is also at an all-time high, which potentially could mean that that uh, amount of capital is, is sitting there waiting to buy the bottom. Uh, there's, there's a few other factors that may, you know, uh, be the opposite to that sort of opinion but i'm looking at this going you know what like yes we're very bearish and well relatively bearish i think we could chop around this period for a little while but it's a great time to accumulate you know someone was asking me the other day should i buy bitcoin right you know right now it's like well i think bitcoin and ethereum both undervalued if we're looking at a five time five year time horizon but i wouldn't be trying to like barrel in and buying everything at once i'd always recommend you know uh, dollar cost averaging split it over the next eight to 12 weeks and just coming in and averaging your price in because who knows the reality is but over a 12-week period you're going to get a nice average price and i i like to think like if i've got some money and let's say it's over a four-year time frame for me personally i can't think of a better investment than bitcoin i just have not found it listeners if you found one let me know. <laughs> Hit me up on Twitter. Well, I think that, and like, honestly, just listening to Michael Saylor, him talk about it, even he's been doing the rounds, the NIA podcast, the Not Investment Advice podcast. Have a listen to that one and hear the arguments for Bitcoin. And really, if you think about it, I've heard Bitcoin be explained as a Swiss bank and pretty much every coin or, you know, 100 millionth of a coin is space in that bank. So that is what you are buying. And there's a fixed supply. And what are those people that are selling? What is going to have to happen for them? That 66 or 70% of people that have held for over a year for them to sell to you. Eventually, there's going to be no space. And it's kind of built in where the price is going to be very, very expensive in order to get in and have that sovereign money. And when you think about it, okay, yeah, you're going to take profits along the way. But what is Bitcoin? Really, it's a bearer asset. That means you hold it, you own it, you have it in your hands. It's like gold. You can put it in your safe if you want. But it's also digital, so you can move it around absolutely instantly, which is just crazy to think globally by holding 12 or 24 words in your head. It's censorship resistant. You can put whatever you want on the blockchain and Bitcoin will not say no. They will mine that shit and that will happen. 
And then if you think about it, it's borderless as well. Anyone can get into it and it's permissionless. Anyone can operate on that blockchain. When you combine all of those things, where it's you know outside of government control and all of these things, if you have an asset class and you have space in that Swiss bank, are you really gonna sell it? And if you do, where are you gonna put that money where it's not at risk? Mm-hmm. Totally agree, Bergs. And the way I look at it as well is fiat currency versus Bitcoin. You know, why do we value the ten dollar note in our pocket? Because you and I trust or believe that that thing is worth ten dollars. Can I take that to the bank and exchange that for gold anymore? Hell no. It's backed by fucking nothing. What is what is Bitcoin backed by? Well, the fact that we've got limited supply. We've got actual transaction volume. People are actually using it. We've got every transaction hard coded into the blockchain. We've got the ability for it to be. Uh, used in in transactions i can go to the uh, some grocery stores and use it to actually buy and sell i can receive goods with bitcoin i know there's only going to be 21 million bitcoin ever created how much money how much ten dollar notes are going to be created in the world unlimited the, the, the government banks at any point can load up the printer and hit the print button and just print off more money and that's exactly what's happened in the us over the last three years they have printed trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars which increases the supply which lowers the the, the value or the ability or the purchasing power of that money. Bitcoin can never be changed. It's hard-coded. It's hard-coded in the software. It's never going to change. Yeah. It's deflationary, not inflationary. 100%. And that's the one thing to learn about Bitcoin. Like, yeah, it's got this cool tech and it's got miners. It's got all this awesome shit. Learn about the monetary policy. You can jump on the Collective Shift website, learn about it there. Um, honestly, learn about the monetary policy and why it makes sense, especially within the conditions that are happening now. And the scary thing is like, even I didn't know this, but with fiat currencies, there was an astronomical number, like um, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands of currencies that have existed over time and they've all blown up because they eventually break at some point. You can't have you know inflation all the time and everything keeping pace because it just doesn't make sense. They eventually break, they'll go to a standard. And we're starting to see that in quite a few countries. Um, you know, and everyone tends to think it's not kind of happening to us. But I even see this happening in Australia where our currency fucking sucks against the US dollar. So if I have money that I need within the next year, I personally would be storing that in US dollars because I believe it's a much stronger currency than the Australian dollar. If you think about it, their economies much larger a lot of things like oil and everything are priced in us dollars so you have that demand for us dollars whereas australia we're what 25 26 million people in the grand scheme of things we we honestly don't matter we are a price taker we are not a price maker Mm -hmm. love that i want to just take a little bit of a different angle here on the crypto side of things if you're just starting out please go to collective shift search google collective shift security center as you're starting out, I'm seeing so many newbies right now being caught up in scams and all sorts of very highly sophisticated, uh, I guess, programs and uh, yeah, really just scams trying to take your money, right? So I'm going to list out a few key top tips for how to not lose your money in crypto as a newbie. Number one, do not ever share your recovery phrase. This is your password to your crypto wallet. It's like having your email and password. Would you give your password to the internet? No. Do not give your seed phrase out to anyone. Do not store it online. Do not save it online. Keep it on a notepad and pen and put it in a safe. Number two, 2FA, two-factor authentication across all your accounts. Download Google Authenticator, get that shit, and you have a second password 
uh, to re- you know really stop hackers from getting into your account. Number three, use hardware. And just with two FA. Yep. Yeah. Hold on. With two FA, mate. Don't don't set it up with SMS. Because yes. that shit can get hacked so easily. People can port your number out and use that SMS. Always do something you own. So Google Authenticator. And when you authenticate, it'll actually give you a code you can write down. So it'll be on your phone and it'll be active. But that code is a recovery phrase as well. So if your phone dies or it bricks, you can put it on another app or on your computer. You can type that code in again and away you go. So always opt for something that you own that is not stored online and not something that can be jacked simply like your phone. Yeah, great call. We had a member, Bergs, a little while ago that saved his seed phrase on Google Drive uh, and then deleted his seed phrase, but it only went to his trash, which sits there for 30 days and had a hacker get into his Google Drive, went into his trash, found his seed phrase and drained all of his crypto. I think it was somewhere nearly $200,000 within minutes. Do not save anything online. And... and this happens, we saw back in the day with uh, your boy Ian Bellina with all his ICOs. That happened to him, he stored it in Evernote. Um, so, and this this is the thing, people will look for these these phrases. Um, they'll look for 24 kind of or 12 random words. They'll look for wallet.dat. They'll look for absolutely everything. So do not store that online and kind of air gap yourself as much as you can. And really the, the reason we say this is with those 12 or 24 words, you can restore that in any wallet. Let's say you've got a hardware wallet, you've got a ledger, you've got everything, heaps and heaps of security. But if you have those 24 words, I can just restore that on a software wallet and I can jack all your stuff instantly. So you really need to keep that safe and secure. And th- this is the challenge because one of the biggest things about crypto, and it's awesome, but it's a bearer asset. So there is no intermediary that holds your crypto unless you're on Coinbase or something like that and you have the risk of them you know, either going broke or taking your money. So if you hold it yourself, you have to be very, very serious about your security and know that you are taking that risk. You're not outsourcing it and passing on that risk to someone else. Yeah, totally agree, Bergs. The next one I want to talk about is a phishing scams. Phishing is basically, this is not phishing with an F, but phishing with a PH. So <laughs> for those fishes out there, this is not gonna, we're not going to catch a salmon. Phishing alert is basically... <laughs> hackers pretending to be someone or something or a website when it's not actually. So recently there was a huge crypto hack and the way the hackers got into the system, they they stole about $450 million from a big crypto DeFi project. What happened was uh, a company was targeted in this attack. They got all the employees' email addresses and all their names. The hacker came in and basically pretended to be the CEO so he had the name of the CEO, the email address that looked very similar to the CEO's. He sent an email to all of his employees saying, hey, Aaron, you know, Ben here, da 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 we're updating our uh, salaries, congratulations, we're all getting a pay rise. Please see attached our PDF with the updated salaries with your information on it so you know how much you're gonna be paid next. Thank you. Or something like that. That was the way they targeted. So of course, an employee, a junior employee, looks that go, hell yeah, I want to know how much I'm going to be paid. Clicks the PDF, downloads the PDF. It's not a real PDF. This is like a very well-targeted virus. Within minutes, the hackers got access to his computer. They got into the vaults of the crypto and drained nearly $450 million from this DeFi project. Now that oh, is one of the most sophisticated, I guess, you know, phishing scams. Yeah. 
but it might not be you know an employee of a of a company. It could be a website. I've seen when you type in an exchange, hackers outbidding on Google Ads, the actual official verified website with their own website. So yep. it sits at the top with a very similar URL. If you're not you know not careful, you you'll miss it. You click on the top link and it'll take you to the what looks like the exact same website, but it is a replica copy that you need to connect your MetaMask to get access. And as soon as you click that button, as soon as you try, sign your transaction, as soon as you give them your password, it's all over. All your money's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Only go to official sites. And oh man, I've seen some wild social engineering videos. So there's one I'll post in the show notes. And there's this, there's this lady and she does this for a living. And she's talking to a guy and he's, she's like, okay, I'm gonna call your phone company. I'll see if I can get your address, your email, your, and, and that's it. So she calls up and in the background, she's got a laptop and the baby, there's just playing a baby crying, going, eh, 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 like all this kind of stuff. And the guy picks up and he's like, hello, there's this baby crying in the background. She's like, oh, I'm wondering if you can help me. So immediately she's creating all this stress with this baby crying and like all like, She's just completely manipulating this guy on the other side. She's like, oh, my husband's name is this and I just need to change the internet and oh, I don't have the password I need and this and the phone number. And the guy, she's like, I can't remember. I can't remember. The baby's crying. You have to help me. And then eventually he ends up changing the password, getting a date of birth, address, everything. Just like that. Just with those details, she can start opening bank accounts. It was wild. Like it was like, holy shit. Or like getting phone numbers. So then think about this. You've got all of your like, details and numbers and, and an internet account and password. You can then get like a phone. After you got your phone, you can then use that to two-factor authenticate and then you can just keep going from there to open more and more stuff. You can reset emails. You can get scans of like passports if they've got it in the email, which everyone bloody does. It was so wild. And and this thing, ha- these happens all the time. I've seen wild ones where um, even the, um, uh, what is it? The bookkeepers within an organization, they will get, an email from the CEO saying, pay this invoice. And it looks legit. It's spoofed from their address and they just pay it. Like they don't check. So literally this happens all day long, even on the phone. I always get these calls and it's for some calls, call center. And it generally is like, hello, sir, is this Aaron? And I'm like, I'm not answering that. Like I'm from Citibank. I have this for you. And I'm like, bro, like, he's like, okay. I'm like, what is it? Can you tell me what it is? I can't tell you until I give you, uh, it's like, I authenticate you or some crap like that. And they're like, can you verify all this stuff? And I'm like, no, you've called me. You're from a call center. I can hear people in the background. I don't know who you are. Tell me what this is about. And they won't tell me. So I just end up calling the direct Citibank number saying, hey, is this legit? Most of the time it is, but it's just their processes are really, really shit, right? And a lot of the time, like never click a link. Like if you see something in there, Let's imagine you get a link from Collective Shift. Don't click on that. Go to collectiveshift.io and log in yourself and see if it's legit. If you get a letter in the mail or an email, don't do any of that stuff. Just call the company directly and check with them. Call their legit number on their website that you know is legit. Talk to a real person and just get it sorted because a lot of stuff can get nicked really quickly in the internet space if you're not careful. Yeah, you have to be very paranoid, I think, in this space bookmark those links, go to their Twitter, have two or three touch points to verify you're actually the right address. So let's say I want to go to CoinSpot, go to the CoinSpot website, make sure it's the official link by going to their Twitter, I'd go to their Facebook page, I'd look at maybe an email they've sent me before and verify it's all the same link. Go to go to the site where we've used it before, ask a friend, go to Collective Shift, 
YouTube it. Have multiple touch points to verify something. Don't just believe that the, you just land on the right site. I do that as well. And I click on the secure icon, make sure they've got the certificate within the site. And even when I type in my six digit uh, authenticator code, nine times out of 10, I'll just type that in wrong just to see if it lets me through or if something happens. And I'm like, That's is right, this yeah. a legit site? Even though I can read it because I'm that paranoid, right? Do you still have heart attacks when you plug in your hardware wallet? Oh, I do. dude, sweaty palms. Like the UI is just so shit. Doing 160 piece per minute. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bad. It's very bad. So It is crazy. Like, yeah. UI and crypto is mental. And this this is a very strong signal. So if people like Ben and I that have been doing this for five years or so, we know how all this works. We teach this stuff. Like I could set someone up from scratch to teach them how to do this and what to look out for. If we're still having heart attacks when we're doing this stuff, that really explains how early we are in this space and how far we have to go just for the general public to be able to use this stuff. Even things like MetaMask, like I connect my hardware wallet to MetaMask great but then the metamask user interfaces change and if i want to buy an nft on OpenSea, like i have to re-sign for each address for all those contracts like what are these fucking contracts i'm not blind signing this so then i have to go into the contract read the contract on the blockchain to make sure it's the right contract and then also have trust that there's nothing malicious in, within the contract right it is just so so insane but yeah if you're doing simple things like not connecting to websites you're just buying bitcoin and sending it to a hardware wallet relatively easily and ethereum get amongst that yeah. but it just shows you how how much we have to do in this space for this just to be, just to be usable man yeah dude we're so early uh very early so i, I want to wrap this up by saying look it, it, it sounds scary it kind of is when you're first getting started but honestly go to collectiveshift.io click on the security center we have a full free resource on everything you need to know how to buy how to store how to not get scammed we've got a scams bible we've got youtube videos yeah. Like we've got a lot of stuff there that's just really going to help you get started. Make sure you've got a trusted party or trusted it's, entity helping you. Yeah, huge shout out to Nick for hooking that up. Like yeah. this has been a vision of Nick's for quite a while. He's in the team. He's a researcher and analyst. Absolute beast. The way he's put this together, it's just really easy to understand. It'll give you what you need to know. You can follow along. The tutorials are there as well. He'll teach you what to look out for and to keep you safe because... We've all been scammed time and time again. When there's a newer scams, we get scammed uh, and you won't. You will be learning from us. So get amongst it. Don't be scared. Just start off with 10 bucks or something like that in Bitcoin. Move it around and just see what this technology actually does. And even if you don't like it, that 10 bucks is well worth your learning. Totally agree. Right, good segment to kick off with, Bergs. Let's roll into property. Should we be buying property right right now, Bergs? Oh, mate. First of all, we were so serious in that segment, mate. I didn't give you any shit. I'm like, oh my God, Mark, it's so serious. Everyone's going to be watching the pod going, who the fuck are these guys? It's going to be great. All right, let's get amongst it. Proper tar. Okay, so I'm going to take this from an Australian perspective because uh, it's what I know best. Should we be buying property? Should you be buying now? I always think it's a good time to buy property. And I'll tell you why. And, and obviously, like there are market cycles. There's different cycles within cities, within suburbs, all this kind of stuff. You need to do your own research when you're getting in to make sure you get what you want, you're getting a good price. But let's talk about property more generally. So generally, you'll either have an investment property or a primary place of residence. Let's go with primary place of residence first. So use my example. I own a home or rather the bank owns it. Um, it's a house. I've got a mortgage against it and bought it probably 10 years ago. And why do I think property is good? Well, I think the basic things where 
in Australia, we kind of like owning homes. We like DIY stuff. We like having a backyard. Fucking landlords are annoying. They don't fix your house. You can't drill stuff into the walls. It's just a really good feeling owning a home, right? Although the mortgage is very crushing, right? <laughs> so that's something you need to consider that you can service it. Um, and really, it is the number one wealth generation vehicle in Australia is property. If you look at anyone that has money in Australia, a big chunk of it is going to be within property. And there's quite a lot of reasons for that because there is a scarce supply of it. Government doesn't release a lot of land. Uh, it's relatively good returns where you can rent it out. And look, you don't have to be very sophisticated. There's a saying that says, even an idiot can collect the rent, right? <laughs> so even if you've got like an idiot son or something in your family, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Now let's talk about this, what you can actually do with property. Let's say it's an investment. You can invest in a property and someone will rent that from you. So let's say it costs you 500 grand and you get $500 a week. Um, that's close enough to paying the mortgage, might be slightly under. But someone else is actually paying all that interest for you, which is phenomenal. That is just great. On top of that, you can claim things. And of course, always go to your tax professional for this. This is just general kind of chit chat about the things that are available. You can claim depreciation on them as well. So you can make improvements to the home. So if you bought like, you know, a bunky home or something like that, you can replace the kitchen, you can replace other stuff. And that is a depreciation expense against the income that you have from the property. So you can claim that against your tax, which is great. There's other things like negative gearing. Everyone always talks about this, but people don't really understand it. So really negative gearing is for every dollar I lose, I get 33 cents back, which is pretty dumb. Like people are like, oh, negative gearing is ruining the world. But you have gearing everywhere. Like if you borrow money to invest in shares, the percentage you pay on interest is tax deductible as well. Bergs, how do you, so, how do you look, I'm going to jump in here. I mean, just it is to, a benefit. Just to simplify this, sorry. How, can you explain how do you lose money investing in a property how does it actually work how does the how does the negative yeah, cool. gearing okay let's say yeah, buy mi- yeah how do you get to negative gearing yep so let's say you buy a million dollar property and you get a hundred thousand dollars well ten percent is quite a lot yeah let's say a hundred grand why not round figures per year in rent but the interest and what you have to pay back is 150 grand so there's a 50 grand deficit there so of that 50 grand if your marginal tax rate is 33%, you can then claim that because it's an interest expense. It's called a tax shield. Awesome. Right? And that's just that's just the basic way that that works. So you're losing money. So really the reason people do that is they're willing to lose money short term in the hopes that it just you get capital growth and it goes up long term. Makes sense. And if if you And that's the game that people play. If you're looking to buy your first property bergs, what sort of percentage deposit would you be thinking you know, you, you know, again, not financial advice, but like, are you are you a component of like just get in? Fucking, if it's two percent, just get it in, yes. get get the money and get get yes. the property. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had this conversation with so many of my friends. They're like, I need to save up twenty percent, so I don't pay lenders' mortgage insurance. And I turn around and I say, "You're a fucking idiot." And then I pull out the pen and paper and I do the sums in front of them. Honestly, if you're talking, let's say a million dollar property to save up 200 grand will take you so much longer than saying paying say 5%. So you don't have to save up another 150 grand. You put in your 50 grand, you get a loan for that amount and you capitalize that lender's mortgage insurance on top of the loan. And literally you just need to do this sum. So million dollar property and at 5%, your interest rate might be slightly higher 
then at 20%. And then you add your lender's mortgage insurance on top, which is 3%, 4%, something like that. Do that sum on what you're actually paying out month by month. And it works out to be like 20, 30 bucks more, something like incredibly small. It was a very, very small amount. It's probably more than 20 or $30. But in the time that the property market actually moves and the time you could be spending in that home and getting that dividend every single day, it is absolutely worth capitalizing that on the loan. And do those sums with your mortgage broker. Um, I honestly don't know anyone that wouldn't pay the least amount and capitalize that unless they've got an astronomical amount of money or they don't understand finance. Like, honestly, that, that is the thing. And I was going to add the next thing, but I'm just firing up questions here, man. So what about what about from an income perspective, yeah, like, you know, your ability to pay down... Okay, well, let's say... So tenants is obviously going to help you pay down that loan. I'm thinking interest rates. So right now we're going through this period where we've got the Fed and the Australia just, you know, rising interest rates. What's your perspective on that? Is that just not even a really concern as long as your rent renters are covering it? Obviously, this is different if this is your primary uh, primary yep. uh, house of residence. Like if you're living in the property and you're not having you you don't have tenants to help pay the rent, well then that's a different this is a different discussion. If you've got tenants in yep. a property and it's paying it down, this is a this is an investment property. Different conversation. Like, what's your perspective on the investment side of things with interest rates going up? I assume that's yep. less of a problem. Okay, so. Yeah, definitely. So we'll, we'll do this in two two areas, primary place of residence mm-hmm. and investment property. Mm-hmm. Primary, primary place of residence. So when we're talking about, what we're talking about here is called serviceability. Am I able to pay that loan back? And this is something you need to consider. I've seen a lot of my friends go absolutely balls deep and buy you know, 1.2, $1.3 million properties uh, just straight off the bat, borrowing the max amount that they can and they do not think about serviceability. So they haven't thought, if interest rates go up and my repayments go up, can I pay that? They haven't thought in a few years if I get married, I'm gonna have a lot more expenses. Also, if I have a child and my wife or myself would wanna take some time off work, can I still afford this loan? That is something you need to do upfront and I would encourage people to not overcapitalize on their homes because that becomes a mausoleum. It is literally a tomb you will die in. Mm. You do not need to spend all like insane amounts of money on your home. Buy something you need that that meets the majority of your requirements and start paying it off. And you will have a freedom that most people don't know. Like you will have, like if you're able to take six months off work and not worry about your mortgage because your mortgage is so much less. These are the things that you need to consider. You need to consider if mortgage rates go up 2%, 3%, 5%, what does that put me in? Can I still pay it? If I can't, what do I need to do to be able to pay it? Do I need a better paying job? Do I need a second job? Does my wife have to go back to work? Map all those things out and see if you're willing to make those sacrifices because they can happen. Now, if you've got an investment property, um, generally you're, you're a bit better off because number one, you'll probably already have a roof over your head or you'll be living with your folks or you know, you'll be somewhere. With that property, you can pass on those rate increases to your tenants. Um, you'll also be claiming a tax shield on that if it goes too high. And then you also have the option of liquidating the property and selling it. So you're in a much better position there. Keep in mind that houses aren't liquid. You can't just sell them instantly. Although this market's pretty good because people want to live in Australia. COVID was really good over here. And really, the, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on property is because if we think about this from you know, 10,000 foot view, 
Majority of Australia's wealth is in property. Why? Rich people have property. Everyone wants to own a house. And in your superannuation, a big chunk of that is going to be dedicated to property. So what does the government need to look out for? Fucking property. So if property prices tank. Everyone loses their, a, a big, let's say property prices go down 50%, which everyone is claiming that's going to happen. I haven't seen it. I mean, hey, it can happen over time, but it's very unlikely. So let's say it goes down 50%. First of all, think about what would have to happen for that to happen. Let's just say it's happened. Zombie apocalypse. Why not? Let's go. What is the government going to have to do? Super's gone down. People won't be able, the retirees won't be able to live. They'll have to pay out the pension. People are going to lose their homes because they can't pay the bank. They're going to lose their investment properties. That's going to be mental. What's the government going to do? Do you think they're going to give out handouts? Do you think they're going to do all that kind of stuff? No, they're going to prop up the property market. They're going to, they're going to bail you out. They're going to give you cash. They're going to subsidize a whole bunch of stuff, have a huge bunch of incentives in order to prop up that market. And we've seen this previously. And one thing I'll probably end on is property is really not about property. Like it can be where you can get a house, you can subdivide it, you can put a granny flat there, you can land bank, you can do heaps of stuff. But it is 100% about finance. And this is what people need to understand. So let's say I've got a half million dollar home, right? And I'm slowly paying that off and paying it off. Let's say I'm amazing and I pay off 100 grand and my property has increased in price to 600,000. So it's now worth 600 and I've paid off 100, there's 200 grand worth of equity in there. So the bank will actually allow you to redraw that equity as a debt facility. And then you can take that, generally like 80% of it, so you don't pay mortgage insurance on that thing. 80%, you can take that and you can invest it in another property. You can invest in shares. You can invest wherever you want. It's called debt recycling. And then from your shares or your property, the income that that generates, you can put that back into your primary place of residence. So this is the magic of property. You are turning with your home, your um, interest rate on your house, that is non-deductible debt. You are taking that and converting it to tax deductible debt. So you're already getting at least a 30% benefit, 40 or 50% if you're a high income earner on that debt and that just accelerates your wealth. People are super afraid to use debt to accelerate their wealth, but they need to understand debt. And this is how rich people get rich. Don't just use the money that you have, use other people's money and make sure it's within your risk profile. And I'm always, you know, talk to your team of financial advisors when you're doing this kind of thing. But if you can leverage that debt to create more wealth, that is honestly the fast path and it is a well-trodden path. Oh, maybe I'm buying property. What about you, mate? Might, Are you going to buy any property? I might be buying property. Like, I might be buying property I'm, now, Bergs. Fucking hell, you've got me bullish, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is honestly, Ben. It is it's the gift that keeps on giving. Seriously. Like there are so many benefits to owning it, living in it, the finance benefits. It is absolutely incredible. Yeah. No, I... I it is. Yeah, so I love property. There you go. <laughs> no, no, definitely on the roadmap for me. I, I think it's something I tend to really have to try and understand something before I buy it. It was the same as Bitcoin. It took me six months to really understand it before I bought in. And I, and I was close to um, looking at buying a property not that long, oh, probably 12 to 24 yeah. months ago. I went to the, you know, I was getting getting the finance sorted, starting to look at like getting an investment property and was spending a lot of time consuming a lot of stuff about property, like listening to podcasts, reading books, speaking to you about it, or reading a lot, like really getting my hands in the weeds. And then a few things change and I got caught up and got busy and back into crypto and business. So it's sort of stopped doing it. But 
yeah, I'll definitely buy a property at some stage in yeah. the future. But for me, I think it's about like anything, understanding what you're doing first, uh, and yep. and and really knowing and having the conviction before doing it. Because if I don't have conviction and I'm not really sure what I'm doing, I'm going to lose out. Yeah, and it's it's a long term game as well. And here's here's a wild thing, right? Unless you're highly specialized and you're modifying properties and renovating them and doing all that kind of stuff and building. Here's what's wild. Primary places of residence are tax exempt. So I can live in this house and let's say over the next 30 years, it goes from half a million to 1.5 million. I can sell that and pay no tax. Yeah, let's see. Isn't that fucking wild? That's fucking and here's what's even more wild. I'm pretty sure it's around six months. So let's say I live here and I have an investment property. If it's within, I think it's within six years, I can go and live in that property for six months claim that as my primary place of residence and please look this up on the ATO website don't take my word for it and that becomes my primary place of residence that was an investment property I can then sell it and that is tax free that's, that's pretty fucking cool that's fucking that wild is, isn't that it is pretty cool. and then use that, that <laughs> and, debt recycling and, feature to buy more crypto <laughs> oh, that's well that's it <clears throat> so this, this is the thing like I use debt recycling for my investments it is just the way to do it and then I run that through a trust so if you want to do if you want to know more about this, there's a brilliant podcast by a guy called Terry White. He's super nerdy, but it's called The Structuring Podcast. He's only got about 20 episodes and they're five minutes each. Listen to those and honestly, simple, simple tips on how to think about these things. Engage him, honestly. I'll, I can recommend him as a mortgage broker and he's also a lawyer and a tax um, tax lawyer. Yeah. And another, another website is propertychat.com.au. Head over there. These guys have meetups. They talk about property. They're big nerds. And honestly, it is really, really simple stuff. It's tried and tested. It's been done for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it is a good wealth generation vehicle. Something you should definitely consider. Okay. I'm bullish. Let's, let's, let's talk. Uh, <laughs> let's talk PR, Bergs. Let's go back to startup. So oh. I want to talk... PR strategies for startups. And the reason why we're talking about this is because I've just been through it the last little while and got some tips, takeaways, thoughts, lessons learned. So PR for those at home that don't know what that is, PR is public relations. It's basically what you see in the media. Uh, You've got two types of public relations. You've got paid and organic. Paid is when you basically go to a new site and you have this story you want to run and you pay them to put it up on their site. Now, you know, you could go to Cointelegraph or some of the major crypto sites, and you could be paying anywhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars for them to, you know, put your article up there, which is a lot of money, right? On the organic side, uh, yeah. you there's a lot of sites out there that will take your uh, press release or your story, but usually those ones that take any sort of story. There's sort of different tiers of, of PR and media. You've got really low-level PR or, or media sites that are just pumping out in, insane amounts of volume just to get like links and viewerships. Uh, that's their model and they sell advertising. Then you've got higher, more premium sites like in Australia, the AFR. In crypto, you've got you know Coindesk, TechCrunch, Business Insider. Those sort of players play on much more of a brand building perspective. They have high quality journalists, high quality stories, and they're known for having great stories that then get printed in magazines, newspapers, etc. So you've got different ranges of PR sites. So if you go back to why you want PR, well, there's really there's a couple, there's a few different reasons why you might want PR. One is for the SEO traffic 
and linkability. So SEO is search engine optimization. You might want your business to own more of the Google search results for your business or keywords. So for example, Ask Collective Shift, we wanted, there was a business in the US that was called Collective Shift Org or something. We wanted to own page one and page two of all Google searches across the world for Collective Shift. So what we did, we set out on uh, a strategy to get as many articles in lower quality media sites as possible to own those search rankings because we will come up on Google even on the lower tier sites, we just had to pump out volume. So for four months, we pushed out a lot of stories. Now we own page one and page two of, of uh, searches predominantly. But that's a lot of like, that's not really gonna bring you new you know customers or investors straight away. That's more of just like a, you know, we're gonna own the front door of the searches. As you move up the ladder, and you want some higher tier stuff. So recently, we're we, you know at the moment we're raising our um, we're raising our seed round. We had one of the largest family offices in Australia just come on as an investor. The Smorgan family, really exciting stuff. It was a great story. So for us to get that story, we wanted that on the pinnacle, the highest tier new site in Australia for business, and that is the AFR, the Australian Financial Review. So what we did is we, uh, there's a guy I was introduced to, his name's Drew, and he is a PR uh, manager, basically. He runs a boutique PR firm. Now the difference here, if you're looking at hiring a PR firm, is there's different types of PR firms. So you've got, you've got big organizations that have lots and lots of people that try and like have relationships and put out your, your story, or you've got more boutique guys like Drew. Now the difference is, is that a lot of the bigger entities. I love how you say boutique, boutique. instead of boutique. Bo- it's hilarious. Is it Tasmanian? Boutique. 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 <laughs> Bo- boutique, mate. Boutique. Get fucked, mate. Uh, a lot of the bigger. <laughs> the PR is all, all about. Re- so good. PR is all about relationships. You need to know the journalists to get the story. When you have a bigger company, a lot of the people in those bigger, the, the, the PR people in those bigger companies don't have the relationship. So they're just selling you sort of the dream and then they, what they do, they take your story and they just blast it to everyone and just fucking hope for the best. Now the problem with that yep. is that these bigger media companies want exclusives. They don't wanna run stories that other people have ran before. This is one thing I've learned. If you just take your story and just go, let's just send it to fucking 4,000 different sites, you're gonna get all the lower tier ones. You have to position your story to the, the to the entities that you want that story to be run by, and you need to op, you need to give them something of value, and that is an exclusive to them. If they get the exclusive, they get a story that no one else has heard before. It's going to get all the clicks, the viewers, and then they get to sell advertisements. That's the whole model. So we pitched the AFR for this story. They took the story. We ran the exclusive. It got massive amounts of awareness. It was huge. It was absolutely hit out of the park. It was page ten on the front page of the paper. Uh, page ten on the AFR. Unbelievable. Now, when we went and pitched that same story to, oh, Berg's going to share the screen here. There it is there. Look at that handsome fella. There, there you go. Look at that. Look at that beautiful Look at that. And I like, I like what you said there as well. It's not a shotgun blast. It's just a sniper. You're aiming right. for one thing, one area, one audience, one publication, and it's a very high quality specific thing and it lands. And when it does, it's a beautiful 100%. thing. 100%. This went everywhere. This, like, this was seen by a lot of people. The PR agent Drew came back and said, companies with the AFR specifically in Australia, would be asking and fighting for years to get this sort of exposure. So this was like unbelievable, absolutely hit out of the park, amazing, uh, really exciting stuff. Obviously the story was pretty cool with the, you know, the Sporgans coming on board, uh, but- 
Oh yeah, how wild! <laughs> it's, it's so awesome to have a family like that on board and investing and believing in us, lad. You dropped me a message when oh, actually it was a phone call, and you were telling me you're like, oh my god, this is happening. <laughs> Tell me about what you had to do and what the journey was to actually get this done because it is hilarious. So it's, it's classic <laughs> Ben style. No, nothing's easy with him. It's always hectic. So we pitched this on Thursday night. Within an hour or two hours, I got a call from Drew to say they're running the story tomorrow, start preparing. And whenever you're doing PR, like this is an interview, so you usually need to prepare for like the worst questions. So what I did is I listed out some of the worst questions I could get, like sort of difficult, curly questions and how you respond to start preparing. By the next day, they wanted to do the interview by 10 a.m. So I was at a cafe and they wanted me to fly to Melbourne to do a photo shoot. It had to happen today. I was like, can't it happen tomorrow? I've got to fly to the Gold Coast. No, it's got to be in the paper. <laughs> on the Saturday edition, they wanted in the biggest like edition of the paper. There's like the interviews happening at 10 a.m. I was at the cafe. Then they're like, you need to be in Melbourne within like three hours. And I was like, F- I'm sitting in a cafe in Launceston. I'm like, F- fucking what? So bright. I was on the phone <laughs> to Dave. We booked flights to Melbourne. It cost me thousand dollars. I went and got a haircut. I was doing media training in the hairdresser. These guys blow drying my hair while I'm doing media training with the PR guy, Drew. He's drilling me with questions and I'm trying to answer questions while I'm getting my, my fucking hair cut. Finish the call, drive home. Amazing. It's pissing down with rain. Get home. It's two minutes to spare. Sitting in front of my computer. 30-minute interview. Packed up. Was about to go to Melbourne. Then they're like, no, don't go to Melbourne. We just found a photo of you. We're going to use that. You don't need to go to Melbourne anymore. <laughs> so we spent $1,000 on flights. He's like... <laughs> Yeah. He's telling me, he's like, oh, I've got to fly to Melbourne. I'm going to be there for 30 minutes. We're going to do the interview and they're going to take photos of me. I'm like, mate, what, what the fuck kind of life is this? Like, you, it's a, you, you will choose the most hectic way to do something. And if someone goes, here's the most fucked up way, I guarantee no one will ever do it. You'd be like, I'm in, let's go. Right. My <laughs> strategy is I'll make it happen. I said to Drew, I said, I'll just make it happen, mate. If I need to be somewhere, if this is going to... That's really what you've got to do sometimes. It's just like, if you've got an opportunity... You're just going to make oh. it happen. Like, it just, there's no other choice, right? It, it just is what it is. Yeah. And and I heard that and I was like, okay, this is cool. But how I knew it was serious was when you sent me a text and you're like, oh man, can you think of some hairy questions that I could get asked? And I'm like, oh, game on. I'm like <laughs> licking my lips, rubbing my hands, going, oh, I'm going to tear them to shreds. So I did all the usual stuff about the business, but then I was like, you know, ripping him about being young, which is legit, right? You know, you're a young guy. What makes you think you can do all this stuff? Um, what about the history of the business? What about this? What about that? And I think I ripped into you a bit as well. It's like, what about your face? What about being a dog? You know, <laughs> just the usual stuff. And, and, and I- but no, but the, the, the serious, on a serious note, the part was Ben came back and he goes, that's great. It's never as serious as you make up in your own head, which I thought was just amazing self-awareness and reflection on your part where I'd be shitting my pants if the AFR wanted to interview me like with media people I'm like they're going to get me I'm going to get got I'm going to be fucked up this is going to be the story of my life they're going to put it on my gravestone and then you actually had the awareness to be like okay you know I'll ask a range of people and get the training and all this kind of stuff on what could happen and I went for your neck I went hard in that and I was like look if I was a media person this is how I would rip you to shreds and you, you just replied and you're like, awesome. It's never as bad as you think because you had all those bases covered. Just preparation, I think. I've, I've been here before. Like I've had I've had some sort of curly media before. And I think uh, the best, of, best comment or advice I ever got, I can't remember who said this once in business, is business is never as good as what you think and it's never as bad as what you think. 
in the moment. So like I all, I've really taken yeah. that across the, the board uh, and tried to remember that in moments of euphoricness or when great things are happening. It's always a reminder of like, hey, things are great, but then it's probably not as great as what I think right now. Same on the way down. Things are pretty bad, but they're not as bad as probably what I think because I'm in the moment. As things times goes on, it sort of flattens out. So if you can just bring in that volatility and live in the in the middle, uh, I think that's a I think that's one of the best advice I've ever got. I think that's just really good life advice. Like things are never as bad as you think, and they're never really as good as you think. And it comes back to we don't see things as the way they are; we see them as we are, with all our thoughts in our head and all this kind of stuff. But that's one version of reality compared to eight billion on the planet. People will just not see the things that you do. They won't have the information you do, the experience that you've had, the things that you've gone through. It is never as bad as that. you think. Now, I'm going to wrap up the PR so we can get into the fun stuff in saying that well, the other thing is I've learned is you can lose a lot of money in PR. You're going to get firms that are going to give you like $10,000 retainers and all this sort of stuff. I'll, I'll give you one tip. This guy, Drew, that I work with, he's I have one story with him. It's a one-off payment and then he tells me to get fucked because my story is done. He moves to the next person. The reality is companies and people just don't have that many great stories. And if you sign up for this massive long retainer, you're probably just paying the guys at the top to get your story out there on some sort of random site. I think PR has a great, you know, PR is, is great. And I think, you know, if done well and executed, it could bring in a lot of business and authority. But I think just be careful and strategic to not just burn a bunch of money putting your sort of articles up when no one's really reading them. That'd be my tip for advice. Oh, yeah. So you stitched me up with this. So one of my first things when I came into this company, Ben was like, oh, I'm too busy, man. Can you take this for me? And it was a media person and they wanted, they were charging us all this money. And I was like, well, what are you giving us? And like, oh, we'll put you here. We'll do this. We'll do that. And I'm like, we'll put you in front of investors. I'm like, yeah, how many investors do they invest? How much do they invest? What areas are they in? And this guy couldn't answer any of these questions. It was just literally, they'll put you through a funnel. He's a sales guy. They'll just blast you out and you'll get, pretty much nothing in return and it was a big sum of money as well and then you go to experts like drew absolute surgeon just straight in there does what he needs to do right job done and we couldn't be happier with 100%. the way it turned out like it was just because oh. you never quite know until it's published right and then we got it and ben ben calls me up so he calls me up right and he goes oh bergs man bergs and i'm like hey man what's going on I was, this is friday night okay so i'm super tired I've had a massive week. I've had a product launch. Ben's just like, <laughs> wear me to the bone. And then, so I've just started Friday night. I've got my barbecue. I've just lit up. I've got my fire pit lit up and I'm about to start cooking. I'm like, I'm kind of coming down with a cold. I've got a cold at the moment. I'm like, what's going on, man? He's like, man, just Google collect shift. Google collect shift, mate. I'm like, I Google it and I'm like, oh, it's an AFR article. He's like, fuck, click on it, mate. Click on it. So I click on it. He's like, just read it, mate. Read it, mate. Like, so I'm like reading it out. I'm like, I'm so fucking tired. And then he's like, oh, look under Luke Morgan. See what he said about the company, mate. And so I start reading. I was like, holy shit. And it's so funny because like my family's in the back. My neighbors are really close. And I'm just swearing, going, oh my God. It's like this big, like, you know, show me the mate. Like he's saying like yelling kind of moment thing. It was just phenomenal. Like after the... You know, the last year that the business has had to have such a great result like this and to be able to share in this with the team and have that legitimacy in a publication like that. And then an article that's actually 100% truthful. And then having someone like Luke Smorgan backing us is just unbelievable. The feeling and energy and motivation that that has given us and the sure. team has that's, been That's incredible. the best thing about business, I think. 
those wins, you're going to have your ups and downs, but the wins, the confidence, the camaraderie, being able to call you and just share that moment. I was like fucking four minutes on a Friday afternoon. You were cooked. I got off of the plane. I'm like, you know, don't even know where I am. I'm like, we're going to share this with Bergs. It's just, it's, it's the best feeling. It's so much fun. That's awesome. Where are um, you now anyway? No, are you in Tassie? Where am I? I'm on the Gold Coast. I'm up in Broad Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, why? I'm in an Airbnb. Uh, some guys are up here for, a, they're playing poker. And I was like, oh, Gold Coast, what's the weather up there like? And I was like, oh, 24, 25 degrees. Where are you staying? They show me photos, pool, spa, huge Airbnb on the water. It's like, okay, I'm coming with you. So now I'm working from the Airbnb up in Gold Coast. <laughs> and then um, I've got a few meetings. At, I've got a few meetings and stuff I've got to uh, attend to and uh, catching up with the. Okay, so... In, in in the corporate world, we call this a junket where you want to go on a trip and then you just bullshit to everyone. They got your meetings and you got a conference in and around what's actually happening. Mate. Just a junket trip, playing poker with the boys, sinking a few cold ones. Actually, mate, like honestly, with the year you've had, you bloody deserve it, mate. I'm still, still, I'm still working, working like like flat out, but then, you know, a few beers in the evening makes it a bit more fun. Nice. Have you, are you losing? I'm not good money at poker, man. I, I play the low level stuff. These guys are playing in the main event. I'm in like the the lowest level. It's good for. I like. I like. The problem is, I like poker, but I'm no good at it. Uh, so like, I, I just play the the lowest lowest tier games uh, where I can have a few beers and enjoy myself without paying too much money. <laughs> so good, so good. All right, man. We're gonna jump into meme of the week, then meal of the week, and then I'll teach you guys how to cook the perfect steak. So this is my meme of the week and this absolutely had me in stitches. This one is just text. So podcast listeners, you're you're on podcast listeners, you're on the same wavelength as everyone else. This is nicknames for my colleagues at work. So this is hilarious. The wicket keeper puts on gloves and stands back. Absolutely hilarious. Harvey Norman. Three years and no interest. Oh man, I met so many of those in government. Jesus Christ. All right, at work, we've got the sensor light. Only works if someone walks past. <laughs> Which is so good, so good. Noodles, these all jobs take two minutes. So I think I, I'm very guilty of this. So is Ben. So, so is one of, one of our developers. Like, oh yeah, no time at all. <laughs> oh, so good. The, the blister appears when the hard work that. is done. How good. You've got yeah. that guy that shows up at the end that takes all the credit. You got the show bag, which is just full of shit. <laughs> You're those. The lantern, not oh, very bright fair. and has to be carried. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. The deck chair always folds under pressure. Oh, mate, I know a few of those. This is you, mate. Perth. Oh, this is brutal. Perth, three hours behind everyone else. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Here I am creating the future. I'm three hours behind everyone else, mate. I wake up later than you and I'm still in the future, mate. That's how good I am. Then we've, then we've got the G-spot. You can never find here. <laughs> so good. The bush ranger holds everyone up. Oh, mate. Seriously, in government, yeah. everyone is a bush ranger. They're like, what about risk? What about governance? What about this? I'm like, how about we just try this on a small scale and actually answer those questions? <laughs> oh, no, we're going to... So crazy. The wheelbarrow only works when he's pushed. <laughs> so good. So good. The limo carries about eight people. That's definitely me for sure. <laughs> No doubt about it. <laughs> and then the last one we've got is cordless. Charges all night, but only works for two hours. Okay, Bergs, here we go. Quick, so quickly. 
That is the meme of the week. I love Bergs, that. I'm going to print we, it out. Back up again. Yeah. Let's name let's name one for each other. Who who are you? Who am I? You go first. All right. You name mate. What which uh which name am I? Oh mate, you're you're definitely the blister <laughs> appears when the hard work is done. No, I was going to say you're the, the show back because you're full mate. of shit. <laughs> no, no. To be honest, <laughs> I reckon. You're definitely the G spot because I can never find you and I don't know where you are. You don't fold under pressure. Oh, you're you're half a lantern, so you're not very bright, but you don't really need to be carried, right? So- <laughs> and then, yeah, you're de- you're definitely the definitely no, the G spot, mate. But uh, no, nah, you're pretty you're pretty good. Oh, you're, and yeah. your noodles, you're definitely noodles. You think everything takes two minutes? So fuck me. We're on a call this morning, right? And I've I literally, Ben's given me like 50 things to make and he's given me 12 months to do it. I'll probably do it in three because I'm a dead set legend. But then he calls me up. He's like, oh, mate, I've realized we need this. I won't say what the thing is because it's a product. Oh, and I've just seen it over there and I'm worried about this. Oh, we could just smash it out and it'd be amazing. And then we can build habits and then we can have this and then we can have that. I'm like, motherfuck, like I'm crook. That's like shit loads of work. And he's like, nah, it'd be like two minutes. We've got this team. We can swell into them. We can just make it, mate. Oh my God, you're definitely noodles. noodles. I'm calling you well, noodles mate, from uh, now on, son. You... All right. So no, well, mate, I'm, you're I'm the, the show you're bag. You're, you're only working when someone walks past, mate. You're the... <laughs> Get fucked. First of all, first of all, I work remotely, right? So, so you know never walks past. You're never working. Everything is always done. Since since you since you bailed out and you're actually doing a CEO role, mate, the teams are now singing. They're amazing because I jumped in and I did the work that you should have been doing. Oh, here we go. You, were not you reckons doing. he's a limo? Reckons he's carrying eight people, but he's just a showbag because he's full of shit. No, I'm not. I'm not carrying. I'm not carrying them. I think maybe maybe I'm just you know driving them around. They're helping out. They do. They're this like an F1 team, mate. They all jump out. They do the tire changes. They do everything, mate. But they just oh need that God. epic leader. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> Absolute showbag. Right, I'm noodles so for the showbag. So <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, oh, amazing, amazing. <laughs> well done, noodles. Yeah, All right, should we jump it. into meal of the week? All right, so I'll start mine off with a bit of a story and then I'll load it up. So when Ben called me on the Friday night, I was cooking up a barbie and I've been excited about this one for a while. So... A while ago, I bought some uh, yakiniku. Mm, no. Do you know what that is? No. No, I've got no idea. It's basically small mm-hmm. little pieces of beef and like Japanese cook it up over a grill. Amazing stuff. Like generally, it's like rib meat or really tender meat where it's nice marbled fat and they're just small pieces and you have it with rice and whatever. So I got that out, got my Weber out, put the charcoal on, cooked it over that, had a glass of red wine, the fire was going in the back. Got um, got some vegetables, so I had some broccoli, some red capsicum, green capsicum, and had tomatoes, and just put the capsicum on till it was like black, and it just tasted so sweet and delicious. The tomatoes blistered up, and then had the broccoli as well. Put that over rice with soy sauce and the beautiful beef, and mate, fresh off the grill, this is incredible. And of course, in true Berg style, I didn't take any photos, but this was the oh, gift that ca- kept on giving, mate. So I cooked up a, a decent chunk of this and then it went it into the giving. next meal. Like so the next sh- morning I woke up and I cooked sounds myself like an omelette, shit. Oh, here yeah. we go. <laughs> this is barbecue, mate. It keeps on giving. <laughs> so this is the omelette that I cooked the next day. 
right? So, you know, and, and keep in mind, like, I was cooked, I was full of wine, I was hungover. Omelette oh, doesn't look too great. But you can just see a little bit inside and it's just got that yummy beef in there and it's got the tomato, it's got a bit of broccoli and capsicum and this was just delicious. You've got the beautiful smoky flavors across it, nice umami and sweetness and bitterness and then you've got the egg that's like wrapped in it, a bit of um, cheese as well. Yeah. So I think I used some um, pecorino in there, which is delicious. Oh. I folded it back and this is what it looked like inside where you've just got this amazing beef and just look at that tomato, how it's just like it's blistered on the top and it just pops in your mouth and you've got the broccoli in there and this was just absolutely delicious oh, here we go but then, then giving. there's more <laughs> so the next day yeah the next day we ordered uber eats because we were all sick on the sunday and i ordered uh marissa ordered thai food and i had like banh mi which is like a roll with stuff in it but it wasn't enough and i thought fuck i've got some good rolls i can make one of these myself so this is what i made oh. some this is my version of a bar meat. It doesn't have like everything in it, but I had all of that lovely beef in there. I had <laughs> shitloads of like cucumber. So I chopped that up, put some like salt, pepper, lemon through oh, it. And look at that, good. lad. Over some nice, beautiful sourdough. Oh, mate. It was just unbelievable. This is definitely my meal of the week. And oh, that's hot sauce, man. That's just chili sauce. So whenever you go to yeah. a kebab shop and you have chili sauce on it, it's that Master Foods chili sauce. Fuck. And it just tastes so good. If this thing was just like you bite into this and the juice from the meat just comes out and you taste like that umami flavor and then you have like all the um, juices just go into the bread and I put like shitloads of butter on there as well and then you get the crunch and the freshness and the acidity um, of the cucumber I'm pretty sure I put apple cider vinegar in there as well and it was just oh incredible I went to bed what, what, happy out of 10 that out is 10. my meal of the week if I had to rate this alright oh, so I got three meals here the original yakiniku meal Fucking nine out of 10, mate. I would make that every Friday. This is going to be my Friday ritual. I'm going to knock off and I'm going to start the fire pit outside. I'm going to start my Weber. I'm going to have the family out there. I'm going to cook up a barbecue, have a glass of wine, stare at the fire, eat amazing food and just disconnect. So that meal would be like a nine out of 10, mate. That was just incredible. Probably go a bit fancy with some herbs and spices next time. The omelette, I'll probably give it oh, eight out of 10. It hit a lot of areas, but I didn't cook it that well. And then this thing, I would give this eight and a half out of 10. Because if I wanted to go really fancy, I should have put in, you know, maybe some coriander, some mint, slice up some chili, put it through. But I was crook and I couldn't be bothered with all that shit. So I just put the sauce in. There you go. Meal of the week. Yaki Niku, the gift that keeps on giving. The new Twitter bio, mate. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so the, 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 the gift show bag, the gift that keeps on giving. Okay. I'm a little bit of a different one this week, Wheatbergs. An insight to the startup uh, founder life. All right, let's go, son. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this could be anything, guys. Get ready. <laughs> right, a little bit different this week. time, Bergs. Now, I should have taken a photo of the steak because, my God, I had the New York Strip. Uh, this this was a restaurant last night on the Gold Coast. It's called Thunderdome. I think it's called Thunderdome. I had this beautiful... <laughs> this Thunderdome! 400-gram New York Strip with a side of greens. And this strip came out, cooked at medium, comes out, no sauce, because I think fucking dirty old sauce just ruins a steak. Like, I just want the clean cut steak. It comes out. Yes. Sauce, Correct. if you have it, should be on the side. You should cut your steak and dip Correct. it in the sauce I went if no you have sauce. to have it. Like, this thing's going to be good. It was like $58. Like, it was a decent cut of steak. 400 grams of New York strip. And coming from New York, I'm like, they, had, they only eat New York strips over there, and it's so fucking good. Try the New York strip. 
cut it in half and it just starts to ooze out this like sauces and juices perfectly cooked. And we mix this with a bottle of hundred and something, I think, I don't know what it was. I, don't, I actually don't know what, I didn't order it. It was about $105 Oof. for a bottle. Pinot Red. It was from, I think it was from South Australia. Comes in a bottle. No shit. Within about 15 minutes, we had to order another one. This was one of the best wines I've ever drank. And I can't remember what it was called. Amazing. I have to ask my mate. Just the smoothness of this. Tasted, tasted like <laughs> velvet. Tasted just like lolly water. You know, you swirl around, have a bit of a smell. You sip it. And with a nice cut of steak. Oh, oh my goodness. It was the best combo. I wish I had a copy of the steak because you know the, the combination together was like we we're talking about it for you know the next 24 hours how good it was this was like a 9.6 yeah. like this was up there the combination of a great glass of red with like a, just a sick steak mate you cannot go wrong yep we're doing that this Saturday actually so uh, some of my friends are coming over yes. we're doing uh, steak and wine we get out our very very fancy wine from Margaret River and pair it with steak so look I'm just going to jump straight in and I'm going to go through to how to cook the perfect steak. We're going to do this on a Weber, but I'll also explain how to do it in your oven or sous vide as well. So here we go. Here's the only photo I could actually find of me cooking a steak, <laughs> like from, from this kind of thing. I've got heaps of other ones that will come up in a sec. But so here's, here's the thing. Get your Weber, real easy to do. Put your charcoal on one side so you can see in this photo all the charcoals on one side of the grill. For this one, I've just got some vegetables in a tray because, hey, I felt like veggies. And this is a beautiful bone-in ribeye. It's about two inches thick. And I've rubbed it with what looks like hardcore carnivore. So you can put any kind of rub on there. Uh, you always do the Holy Trinity, salt, pepper, garlic. And this is the thing. Charcoal on one side. You can literally, you don't have to rest your steak. You can take it out of the fridge if you want, rest it if you want. Put it on the other side of the grill and then put the lid on top. And you want to, on the top of your Weber, where you have the little vent, you want to put the vent fully open on top of your meat. So what that does, all the air comes underneath the Weber, goes through the charcoal and blows it over the meat. If you want to smoke your steak or a bigger cut, you absolutely can. Just put your smoking wood in there and away you go. This will take anywhere, depending on how thick your cut is, from 20 minutes to 40 minutes. And the only thing you need is a thermometer that you can poke into your steak and check the internal temperature. So you poke that into your steak and you probably, for medium rare, you probably want it around 50 degrees. I think it's like 110, 115 Fahrenheit. After that point, lift your lid off like it is now. Fan your coals, get them red hot, and then literally sear the steak for 30 seconds mm. on each side. And you are done. You can eat it straight away and you don't have to rest it. When you sear it, you get big <laughs> bad boy flumes. And this is where all the flavor is. Seriously. And the reason we do this, this is called reverse searing. And just before I move on and show, show you the, the glory shots, mate, the, the beauty that is this steak, the reason we do this is so when you go to a restaurant, you know, and you order a thick steak and they go medium rare, it's like medium rare right in the middle. On the outside, it's all well done. It's gray. It's disgusting. It's tough. It's bullshit. They get the best cuts of meat and they disrespect them. They disrespect them, Ben. This is why I can't go out for a steak, mate. Because I get better shit at my own place. And look, if you want to do this at home and you don't have a Weber, first of all, get yourself a Weber. But hey, if the weather's bad outside or whatever, you can just chuck in your oven 180 degrees, same thing. Get a cast iron pan, sear it on that. Or you can sous vide it in some water and then cast iron pan after that. Brilliant. Right. This is just another daytime one. This one I've actually got like a cast iron grill. Again, bone-in ribeye. Just searing that bad boy, just burning the fat. Delicious. 
There we go. He's a nighttime shot. Look at that. Who doesn't want that? That's just like caveman shit. This is what life is about. All right. So here's a cut that I had. I just put some broccolini oh on the grill God. as well. Cut Holy into it. Shit. Boom. Look at that. Perfect medium rare all the way through. Beautiful charcoal flavor. Melt in your mouth. Unbelievable. <laughs> here's another one. Right? Look at that. Did some potatoes. So this is the potatoes underneath. And look at that. Medium rare the whole way through. None of this like gray, disgusting, dry bullshit. Nah, beautiful. Here's another one. I just cooked some wedges as well. I just cut up some potatoes. I make them into wedges. Another steak. Look at that. Look at that. Ben, tell me that ain't a beautiful steak, son. That is amazing. This is, this is perfection. All right, here we go. I'm pretty sure this is a sirloin and I've just got some random like curried vegetables left over because why not? And look at that. Perfect. All the way through. Medium okay, rare. You're too, you're, you're too, you're too And here we go. A bad boy. <laughs> nah, mate. I, seriously. I cut this down from about 1,500 photos, Ben. I'm so into this. Like, this is my true calling, son. So this this is a tomahawk. Just a really beautiful cut of meat. Cook that. You can see the big, beautiful sear on there. Okay, cut through it. Good. Look at that. Perfection, mate. It is just so delicious. And then here's one more. So this is a final one. This is one of my most favorite cuts of meat. It's called a tri-tip. It's basically an ass muscle and it's like a triangle. And the amount of flavor you get in this is insane. It only costs you about 18 bucks a kilo. It is so cheap. So you cook it exactly the same way. You put your rub on it. With this particular one, um, I put hot sauce on it, uh, salt, pepper, garlic, and a few other things. And I actually smoked this one in the exact same way uh, with your charcoal on the other side and cooked it to medium rare. And boom, there you go. Just chop it up and just phenomenal, mate. It is unbelievable. I'm just for lunch now. There you go. How to cook the perfect steak. Get amongst it. You've got no excuses. You don't need to be going to restaurants to buy $120 steaks. Buy your super fancy Wagyu marble score, whatever the fuck, for like 30 bucks. Cook it yourself. It's going to be the best experience you have in your life. Get off your ass. You're all working from home. The camera roll is just full of fucking steak and and memes, mate. Mate, can you, can you name anything better than steak and memes that you can have on your camera? Like, I'd like to Chicken hear burger it. and red name wine. a better combo. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Mine's also got the wine on it as well. Right. <laughs> but the memes, the memes make me happy, mate, it. and the food keeps me fair. Berg's really fantastic episode. Listeners that made it so through good, just the fucking tsunami of steak there. Thank you for listening all the way through. Uh, I hope everyone liked the new structure. We we restructured it. We add we add. <laughs> I like the way that you come in and you dog me for the three minutes that I fucking do on steak. And here you are talking about the fucking Goldie and markets and security and blabbing off for ages. And also, you know what pisses me off? I'm here sitting in 4K Ultra HD. You're like. Bloody 144p. I can barely make out your face. You're blocky as you're cutting out. You still have shit internet. You haven't fixed it, mate. Burgs. I just get constantly I'll update my in- on this show. I'll update my internet and my Tell webcam you what. when I, when you update your face. Oh, I mate, I shaved off my beard. I cut it. This is a huge mate, upgrade. That's like, mate, mate, mate. You have to upgrade that upgrade was like going from Windows hair. Seven to Windows Ninety Eight. <laughs> Windows 98 was better than Windows 7, mate. I've got to tell you. Windows 98, second edition, that's where it's at. PCs were flying, mate. We need to go back so to going, that. Bring back the good old days. From... <laughs> anyway, let's move on. So good. Um, 
Great episode. Great episode. Value up front. You learned what it, what are the crypto markets doing. We spoke about property strategies. We spoke about PR strategies. How to cook a steak. That was one of the better episodes, Burgers. I actually really liked that. That was good fun. I think people, hopefully you learned some stuff. I think so too. And yeah, it's the first time we're trying out. Thanks for bearing with us. I've, I've got a cold, so I'm a bit delirious. Uh, thanks for sticking through the housing segment. I could talk about that all day. Um, and honestly, yeah, we're going to keep going like this. We're going to start doing episode themes as well. Uh, so you know what you're getting up front. You're in for a good listen. You're going to get all the good stuff on the back end as well. Thanks for listening in. You're all champions. <laughs> and all, as Remember, always, if you're you wanting to get started in the crypto, we, we mentioned a lot of things in that episode. Head over to Collective Shift. We've got an amazing new security center, uh, free resources. We've got a great newsletter. We've got some awesome stuff on our YouTube channel as well that you should check out. Just a lot of awesome stuff if you want to get started in crypto or you're already in crypto and you're wanting some more digital analysis, uh, on-chain analysis, sentiment, staff valuations, really going to help you save time and make better decisions. Bergs, we launched this new, your, this is your product, you launched the new personalized dashboard. That's fucking epic, if I'm not going to lie. Um, you can now track the assets that you're interested in and start to get personalized so insights based on what you own. A lot more to come in that realm. Just a lot of things happening. So head over there, collectiveshift.io. Amazing. And Ben, I just want you to improve on one thing for next episode, mate. Have a look at this. That is what you look like to me. <laughs> How horrendous is that? You're just the blockiest thing in the world. We, we've talked about you, you know, going in and getting like, you know, a better camera, better internet. That's all I want, mate. I just want someone that shows up with their whole self, thinks about this, thinks about the other person and really brings their all to work. Like, is that too much to ask? like a blotch of white paint. Hey, and you barely move as well. Like normally, like if you're moving and you're blocky, that's okay. But literally you'll move like every five seconds. Like the audio is kind of okay, but it is just, it is horrendous, mate. It is, Jesus. I can't work under these conditions. Into the union, mate. Into the union. Fair work. Well, mate, you're, you're pretty much, your video game's at zero at the moment. So uh, only up from here, mate. Right, we'll leave it there. See you next week, guys. All right, let's wrap up there. Bye-bye.